this right now, specifically our three God Behind Bars campuses. We love you guys. And last but not least, let's, uh, let's show some love for our fearless leader, Sean Johnson. Make some noise. I had, uh, I got coffee with him this morning and he wanted me to tell you that, uh, he loves you and he freaking misses you. And that's a quote. That's what he said. And so, which brings me to my next point. Sean, Sean, yeah, we freaking miss you and you should probably watch your language, Pastor. All right? But we love you, man, and uh, we can't wait to see you soon. Amen? All right. Hey, give away, give away a high five or two if you're feeling crazy and take a seat. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. Who's ready for week two of Modern Jesus? All right, I believe you. I don't always, but I believe you today. So Modern Jesus, this series uh, is all about getting our eyes up onto him. And uh, we've been asking the question, is Jesus still relevant? We'll phrase it this way. It's 2019. Why on earth should I follow a Jewish carpenter who was born in Palestine 2,000 years ago? Who is this man and what does he have to do with my life? And that's a great question. And really quick, I wanna throw a book recommendation your way. This is a book called Who Is This Man by John Ortberg. If you're looking for some light to uh, mediocre reading, this week, uh, and you like what we're talking about today and want to go deeper, I'm going to point you in that direction. Order that on Amazon. This book is amazing. And it just answers that question, who is this man? Is Jesus still relevant? And uh, here's, here's the thesis we're working on today. You do need faith, you guys, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God to believe that Jesus is king. You need faith to believe that. However, you do not need faith to see his impact and influence on this planet. You just need to look, because it's everywhere. And today we're just looking, and I just, I wanna get our eyes, like the view is better when you look up, amen? And I wanna get our eyes on the king of kings, our king, Jesus Christ, because I believe when we seek him first, everything else in our lives just kinda takes its divine place in line behind him. And so let's do that. We're going to look to Jesus and we're going to do that in John chapter 19, starting in verse 16. Here we go. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. And so the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. So really quick, it was custom for criminals to have their names and their crimes written above them on the cross they were nailed to. And so here, here's why we're reading this. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to observe how unsuccessful Jesus and his ministry looks in this moment as he's hanging on this cross and everybody's watching. It says, many of the Jews read the sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather that this man claimed to be 
the king of the Jews. But Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he took one final breath, bowed his head, and gave up his spirit. If you're taking notes, I wanna call this message, Jesus is King. Plain and simple, maybe the best truth ever, Jesus is King. And I wanna pray, uh, and I want you to join me in praying because the saddest thing that could happen this weekend is for this to be a human thing from start to finish. We need something supernatural to take place. And fortunately for us, when you ask for the presence of God, you get it specifically when two or more are gathered. And so I'm gonna ask you to pray with me and believe this with me because we're about to converse with the creator and what's crazier than that is he's about to listen and respond. And so God, we love you. Jesus, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Today we look to you alone. Today we make you big in our lives and in our church. I pray these words would honor you and be music to your ears. We pray this in the powerful, beautiful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you, Scott. I'll see you in a little bit. I was in a high school band with that guy, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah, he was the only talent in the band. So way to go, buddy. Now I preach. So guys, turn to your neighbor and, and do this. Tell them... Oh, let's, let's go deep here. Tell them your favorite pizza restaurant right now. Find a neighbor, your favorite pizza joint. If you're thinking cauliflower crust, you can get out of here right now. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Your favorite pizza restaurant. All right, that's sufficient time. You chatty Cathy's. If you answered, if you said Cosmos Pizza, you answered correctly, congratulations to you. The best pizza place ever. You guys, when I go to Cosmos Pizza, I literally, it's like a spiritual experience for me. I do my quiet times via pepperoni slices at Cosmos. Like the two foot long, you have to fold it in half to keep all the grease and the, the, the spicy ranch that you smothered on it in there, right? And I take a bite and I go like straight to the throne room. I'm like, did Jesus just come back? I think he did. Like, is this new earth? Is this heaven? Like... I, I, it's a worshipful experience for me. And if you're, if you're the owner of Cosmos Pizza listening to this, you're welcome for the free publicity. And I would love a free pizza. <laughs> and that's not a huge ask, I don't think. I, I really don't. Guys, I love it. I love it. And what's more impressive is I still love it even after the incident. Oh, you wanna know what happened? I'll tell you. This was, this was a few years back, many moons ago. Uh, I think 2014, it was a January evening at the Cosmos on the hill in Boulder, okay? And uh, it, it's cold out, snowing, and I'm in the corner booth, in the corner of the corner booth, so no quick escape, like I'm painting the picture for you, and I'm just there, I'm not trying to hurt anybody, I'm 
I'm not looking for a fight, not looking for trouble, just minding my own business, worshiping God via pizza, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, on the table um, is, a, is a set of keys that belong to my friend Kelsey, Kelsey's keys, okay? On her keys is a keychain that it, it's pink, polka dots, plastic, looked completely harmless like a toy. Nowhere on it did it say, warning, this is pepper spray. It didn't say that on there. Not that I care because I'm minding my own business, right? Just eating pizza. However, my, my, my friend, and I won't say his name just to protect him. Uh, however, Bensong is his name. S-O-N-G, Bensong. His Instagram handle is at I am underscore Bensong. Um, he is the culprit in this story. I'm the hero. Not really, but I am the victim. Bensong is his name, and he, he's the bad guy here. And, and Ben, he's one of my, he's curious, like George, And so Ben looks at the keychain and says, oh, look at this, like pink polka dot plastic pepper, like he didn't know it was pepper spray at the time, but he picks it up, sitting across from me, holds it out like this in front of my face. There's a button on top of it. And he thinks, what's this button do? And they say, curiosity salted the snail. However, I say, curiosity pepper spray dug from 18 inches away. Ben looks at it, goes, oh, it's a button. Just like mace straight in my face, which hurts so bad, you guys, so bad and so potent. The entire restaurant shut down for the rest of the night. Everybody's evacuating. I'm the last out because I was in the corner of the corner booth, but we run outside. Everybody's trying to catch their breath. I can't see. It's a blizzard. Of course, my face, my chest, everything is burning. I like take my jacket and my shirt off and just jump into the snow. I'm like rolling into the snow in so much pain. Like this hurts so bad and nothing is helping. Like nothing helps. People are bringing out like, they brought like one of those orange Gatorade coolers full of ice water, dumping it onto my face and nothing's working. Like it hurts so bad. And, and what we learned, cause I went on YouTube and, and sure enough, there's, I don't know who the people are making these videos, but I'm grateful for them. Hey, if you ever get pepper sprayed, home remedies. I'll make this YouTube video in my free time on a Friday evening. I love it. I respect it. I'm grateful for it. In case you uh, ever need this and you're taking notes, I'm not speaking this prophetically over you. I hope this never happens. I hope you never get maced in the eyes. But in case you do, the best thing you can do is 2% milk. You get 2% milk. Okay, so we went to the store, went home, and the rest of my night, I was up on the counter, lying on my back with my head and my shoulders over the sink, while Sam, she's my wife now, my, my, like my girlfriend at the time, is when I realized I loved her, because she spent hours, hours, pouring gallon after gallon of 2% milk into my eyeballs and onto my face. That's real love, right? Ben Song is, is his name. He's watching this probably, so I love you, man. Um, eventually, the burn faded. Watch, just watch this transition right here. Eventually, all things fade, whether it's a pepper spray burn or your new jeans or even influence, influence that human beings have on this planet, right? And so take that and transition with me. Normally, when somebody dies, their influence, whatever it was, their influence slowly begins to fade from that moment on. It's just, it's just normal. It's true for you, for me, for every celebrity, every leader. 
that influence will start to fade. Like who, who, knows, who knows your great grandma's name? Anybody in here? Maybe a few. Great, great grandma's name? And she's family, right? How about the 13th president of the United States? He was a big deal. Influence is kind of like a wake behind a boat. Like think about it this way. The longer it's been since the boat has passed, the more and more the wake fades until eventually it's gone. And this is nobody's fault. This is just the normal trajectory of influence for every human being ever except for one. Except one. Now we just read it. At the moment Jesus took his final breath on the cross, it seemed to everybody that whatever small amount of influence he had on this planet would be crucified with him and taken to the grave with him. Like how successful does a kingdom look when the king is hanging on a cross? Not very. Jesus did not future-proof his influence He never tried to immortalize himself, never made a statue of himself, never forced a soul to follow him, never defended his movement, apparently had legions of angels he could have called upon at any moment and never did. He, on purpose, set himself up on a collision course with Rome, the most powerful empire in the world, as the ultimate underdog to be crushed. And crushed is exactly what he was. Why is it then that from the moment he took his final breath, his influence has done the opposite of fade? Why is it that it's 2019 and regardless of what you believe about him or what continent you live on, his influence and his wake are everywhere you look? Like from that moment of his final breath on, 50 years after that, more Jesus in the world. 100 years after his his death, 500 years after his death, his movement is stronger than ever, more people following him, more Jesus. 1,000 years after his death, and his influence becomes the foundation most of Europe is built on. 2,000 years after his death, and at least, at least, you guys, at least 2.4 billion people on the planet right now have been awakened to his life and legacy, including Kanye West. Yeah. John Ortberg says this, Jesus' vision of life continues to haunt and challenge humanity. His influence has swept over history like the tale of a comet, bringing his inspiration to influence art, science, government, medicine, and education. He has taught humans about dignity, compassion, forgiveness, and hope. It is in the name of Jesus that desperate people pray, grateful people worship, and angry people swear. He is the man who won't go away. Picture the boat again. And the longer it's been since the boat passed, the bigger and bigger the wake it leaves behind gets. There's one word for that, supernatural. That doesn't happen. So a brief history lesson, since we're coming upon the Christmas season, when Jesus was born, the day Jesus was born, Caesar was the emperor of Rome, and within Rome, Herod the Great was the king of Judea. He was appointed by Rome as the quote-unquote king of the Jews. And, and Herod the Great was insane. 
He was crazy. He would stop at nothing to protect and immortalize his legacy and influence, including execute people left and right, including one of his wives and many of his sons, which is why Caesar, of all people, is quoted saying, in light of the fact that Jews don't eat bacon or ham, it is better to be one of Herod's pigs than one of Herod's sons. Guy was crazy, ambitious, driven, narcissistic, stopped at, at nothing. Even on the day he died, he prearranged that on that day, other influential Jews would also be executed just so he could be sure there was mourning in Judea. Like came into this world royally and with dignity and made sure he died and left this world royally and with dignity. Unlike King Herod, Jesus did not enter or leave this world royally or with dignity. Born in a cave at night, placed in a feeding trough for animals, his nursery friends had fur and four legs. He was a fugitive on the run, wanted for dead from the time he was an hour old. And 2000, I'm sorry, 32 years later, he died with less dignity than how he was born. Like, unlike Herod the Great, nothing about, like, Jesus' first or final breath on this planet made you think the word king. And yet today, you know nothing about King Herod the Great, except what I just told you. And Jesus is everywhere that you look like a comet's tail swept across history. I'm telling you, everywhere. Let me show you, let's talk geography. Ancient leaders back in the ancient world, they would immortalize their influence by, and their legacies by naming cities after themselves, right? So Alexander the Great named Alexandria, Caesar named Caesarea, right? Fast forward to today, what do we have that's named after Caesar? A casino and a pizza place. Caesar is now your salad or your dog. <laughs> Guys, Jesus did not have a home. Didn't have a house, let alone name a, a city after himself. And yet today, like look at him, like San Francisco is named after a man named St. Francis who followed Jesus. Sacramento got its name because Jesus had a, a, a one last dinner with his buddies that came to be called the Final Supper that later came to be known as a sacrament, right? Stephen F. Austin, San Diego, named after St. Juan Diego, who was a follower of Jesus. To quote John Orberg, you cannot look at a map without being reminded of this man. And I'll take it a step further. You can't look at a calendar without being reminded of Jesus. Let's talk about time. The Gregorian calendar, our calendar, the most popular calendar, the BCAD calendar. BC stands for before Christ. So Alexander the Great's reign is recorded in history as beginning in 336 BC, before Christ. King Herod the Great was born in 73 BC, which means for Alexander and Herod and every president and leader and dictator who has ever lived, their reigns and their birthdays are being recorded and measured based on a baby fugitive who was born in a cave. A.D. 
is Latin. It's Anno Domini, and it means the year of our Lord. So every date marked A.D. is measured from the time Jesus was born. So your birthday, your mom's birthday. It's not a mama joke. I'm just making a point. (laughs) Brad Pitt's birthday, Paul Rudd's birthday, the 4th of July. Like, guys, all of them measured based on the life of Jesus. And so look at me, guys. Every tribe... Every tongue, every nation, every religion is telling time based on a Jewish carpenter who was born in Palestine 2,000 years ago. And we ask questions like, is he still relevant? We are recording history based on the life of Jesus, which gives way more meaning to verses like Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is before all things. Like like the beginning of all of history is not a place Jesus used to be or was. It's a place he is right now. You understand that? He's not confined to time the same way we are. The end of all things is not a place Jesus will be one day. It's a place he is right now. Just like he's right here right now because the entire timeline of history that you and I live our lives out on is literally in him. It's literally in him. From A to Z, or if you prefer Greek, the alpha to the omega, the beginning to the end, and everything in between. You cannot tell time without Jesus. There's a a t-shirt that says, Jesus is my homeboy. And I like it. I, I think there's truth to it. Nothing against it. I think it's funny. I think God does too. But homeboys... Don't divide history in half. Kings of kings do. And that's it. So let's talk art. Let's keep going. Guys, nobody knew what Jesus looked like. There's not a description of him in the scriptures. And yet, to this day, Jesus and his followers are the subjects of art, paintings, and sculptures all over the world. The, the torture device they used to murder him is now the most recognizable symbol that there is on this planet. Also, the most popular jewelry pendant and tattoo. Let's talk about his impact in the world of education. He said, Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, which inspired a community of learning, loving Jesus followers who were so passionate about education that their movement and community survived and persevered through the dark ages of history. And they went on to begin libraries and start schools, just to name a few, Oxford, Cambridge, Yale, and Harvard, and laid the foundation that most of the the Western education system is built on. Jesus. How about government? We say things like all all men, all human beings are created equal. Why do we say that? Where do we get that? Because that was not something they said or believed in the ancient world. So what happened between the ancient world and the Declaration of Independence? Jesus. Jesus happened. In the ancient world, it used to be like normal for, for leaders to adorn and exalt themselves and make statues of themselves and make people bow down to that. Like that, it wasn't just normal, it was celebrated back in the day. Nowadays, when you see that, like in North Korea, 
It's like, it's like prideful and disgusting, but back then it was normal. So what happened? Why is it weird for us today? Because Jesus flipped upside down what it means to be a good leader. Guys, he's the, that, he's, he's the reason we think that's weird. Because Jesus gave us a new model of leadership. Back in the ancient world, once again, it was, it was normal to wait till the eighth day to name children because oftentimes they would, they would let those children die if they were born with a disability or the wrong gender. Horrible, but back then, normal. So what happened? What happened is a group of Christ followers remembered that they follow a man whose group of best friends consisted of two women, whose ministry was funded mostly by women, who said, let the little children come to me, and true, right, and proper religion is that you take care of the widows and the orphans. It's Jesus. Hospitals are here because Christians started them. Because Christians remembered, we, we follow a man who said you are to heal the sick. Huge nonprofit organizations, we'll do, we'll do medicine right now. Hospitals and, and nonprofits like Compassion International, the Salvation Army, the Red Cross, there we go. Like, you know why those are here? You know why that's a thing? Is because a Jewish carpenter born in Palestine 2,000 years ago taught his followers that you are called to love and serve the least of these. That's why those things are normal for us now. That's why it's the air we breathe now. It didn't used to be, but now it is because Jesus is the one who changed it. You guys, for all of us, while our influence and impact normally follows us from our lives and into our deaths and slowly fades, the impact of Jesus Christ followed him from his death out of the tomb that he borrowed and has been growing and growing and growing nonstop ever since. And so regardless of what you think of him, regardless of if you like him or not, regardless of what you believe about Jesus, his wake is a wildfire that cannot be stopped. His wake is a wildfire that cannot be stopped. So to bring this full circle historically, Herod the Great, a mortal man who believed he was part divine, who thought only of himself and never lived to serve his subjects. Meanwhile, you got Jesus, who is God, who did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but rather let go of that, humbled himself, and became a man only to serve his subjects, even to the point of laying down his very life for us. Fast forward to that, like 2,000 years, two millennia, and you see the footprint of Jesus everywhere that you look. His impact, like we just saw, is everywhere. His story is everywhere. Like seriously, every book you've ever read or movie you've ever seen is a shadow of the one story, the story of Jesus. This is his legacy and influence. And at the same time, if you wanna read about the legacy and influence of King Herod the Great, you gotta go find a history book or Wikipedia and read it, but I'm warning you, only if you're bored, because it's not gonna wow you. That was sassy, but I feel this. And Dan, you can come up. We'll finish here. In college, I led a mission trip to Jamaica. It's actually the trip I met my wife on. And uh, I was the leader of the trip. But on the first day, I, I saw her, not like no makeup, no trendy outfits, just 
mission trip clothes and old t-shirts, a purple headband serving others, worshiping God, and I'm just saying that's Christian hot. It's Christian hot. And I love the people of Jamaica, but my mission became her from that point on, okay? That's why God had me there, and if I can just say, mission accomplished. Yeah. Thank you, though. My good friend Charity Watson came with us on that trip, and I was really proud of her for signing up to go uh, because she did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God when she signed up. She just wanted to help people. Uh, Just a very kind person, very kind, very smart, a thinker. And she, she would tell me all the time, like, of course I believe Jesus was a good guy, maybe the greatest. Jesus was a great guy, a good guy. But she'd ask me that question, but why is he relevant to me today other than inspiration? Why should I follow a Jewish carpenter who was born in Palestine 2,000 years ago? There were 96 of us on this trip, and every night we would worship in a small Jamaican chapel mixed in with a bunch of Jamaicans who got after it in worship. Man, they knew knew how to worship. And every night, every night, I am telling you, the presence of God of our king was experienced. Like it, like it wasn't just heard about. People, you felt it in tangible ways. Shame evaporated. People were healed, people forgave. Eternal destinations were changed. Like you, you could not deny something was going on. And on the final night, Charity came up to me during the last song, tears in her eyes, and just didn't have words. She says, I don't know what to, I don't know what is happening, but I cannot get past the fact that this many people from different worlds are all feeling and experiencing the exact same thing at the exact same moment. And I can't explain it. She said, this has to be real. Dead good guys don't show up two millennia after their crucifixions and change the lives of hundreds of people in a small Jamaican chapel. Billions of people, you guys, don't gather in churches like this all over the planet this weekend for dead good guys. They do that for kings of kings alone. And so I I just, my, my heart, my goal is that the magnitude of this movement that you can see would encourage you and build your faith. The impact of his influence, because you do not, like, you you do need faith to believe Jesus is king, absolutely. That's why we call this faith. However, you do not need faith to see his impact and his influence. It's everywhere. You just need to look. Right now, in, in communist China, where it's illegal to be Christian and gather like we're doing right now, the church is 100 million strong and growing. In the Middle East, growing like a wildfire and can't be stopped. In 1990, there were 8.7 million Christians on the continent of Africa. Fast forward 29 years, there's 390 million plus Christians, and it's projected by 2025, six years from now, 600 million Christians in Africa. That's the projection, and that's in the face of persecution, and sometimes that persecution is is even death which makes you think like, how is something like that possible? It's like the more persecution that comes the way of the church, the brighter and brighter the influence of Jesus burns. I heard it said, Christianity is like a nail. The harder you strike it, the deeper you drive it. Amen?
even in persecution, it's like it fuels the church. You think all the way back to the apostle Peter, he was crucified upside down because he refused to renounce that his friend Jesus was the king of the universe. Like, I know they were friends, but how much do you have to know to get crucified upside down? Stephen was stoned for this. Paul walked away from the good life for this. The apostle Paul had it made had an encounter with Jesus and left all of it and stepped into opposition and persecution and his destiny like his his ultimate destiny was getting beheaded for this for this Jesus that he believed in so much why would you leave like that reminds me right now of like Kanye West why would you leave the good life he literally has a song called the good life on his 2007 graduation album Amazing album. I'm not endorsing it or saying listen to it. I'm just saying it's good. That's all I'm saying. Why would you walk away from that at the cost of your platform to step into opposition both from the secular world and from Christians? Like I heard, it's like somebody told me last week, Christians have been praying for decades for God to save celebrities and then he finally does and we're like, well, not him though. <laughs> like come inside. The father is throwing a party right now just released an entire album called Jesus is King where he preached the gospel. Why would you walk away from that into that opposition to do so unless you've gained the whole world and then you met Jesus and you saw firsthand that Jesus was better than the entire world is the only explanation. James, brother of Jesus. Guys, here's a question. How do you convince your brother that you're God? Let's say it this way. You don't convince your brother that you're God unless he watches you die and you hang out with him three days later. That's it. Because James was so convinced my, my bro is the king of the universe that he was thrown off the temple mount and beaten to death because he refused to renounce that he believed my brother is the king. You guys, good guys. Good guys do not leave wakes like this in their past. Demons do not shudder at the names of dictators or tyrants. Evil does not bow to the rich and the famous. Homeboys do not overthrow hell and defeat sin. Kings of kings and kings of kings alone do that. And right now, Jesus is on his throne and he ain't going anywhere until he comes back to get all of us. But this time, not as a baby in a feeding trough, but as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords on a white horse with a tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and fire in his eyes. And the Bible says on that day, when that happens, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And I'm just like, okay, well then why don't we just do that now? If that's true about then, then why don't we just do that this weekend? Why don't we get our eyes on our king? Why don't we look vertical? Why don't we sing vertical? Why don't we get our eyes off the mountains in our lives and get our eyes onto the God, onto our king over the mountains in our lives and take a deep breath of divine oxygen and come up for air. He guys, you, you have rivals, he does not. You have equals, he does not. You're worried about the future. He's in the future doing just fine. You are anxious. You are inconsistent. He is none of those things. He is sitting on his throne as king. And that's why I can say this. And I finished with this right here. And I believe this is prophetic for thousands of people at our church. Jesus is king. 
which means regardless of what you walked in here with, regardless of the week you've had, and I'm not making those things small, I'm making our king big. Jesus is king, and that means it's okay to be okay. I don't know who that's for, let that sink in. You're okay. Can I just tell you, you're doing better than you think you are because Jesus is king, which means eternally, you're doing just fine. He is the king of kings, you guys. It is okay to be okay. Like maybe you know who you are in light of all your your stuff. I'm asking you, do you know who you are in light of your savior? Do you know your identity just being okay because Jesus is king? It is okay to be okay. He has no rival. He has no equal. He has no beginning or no end. He was there then. He'll be there then. And he is everything in between doing just fine. And he said, it is finished. Took his final breath. And I just believed that he was telling the truth. He's our king. And you're okay. Can you believe that this week? You are actually okay. (laughs) So man, I just wanna get our eyes up. Will you guys stand? Jesus, we love you so much. I thank you that you are king. I thank you that you are consistent. I thank you that you cannot be rivaled. I thank you that there is nobody like you, God. I pray we would just feel okay. And as as we sing vertically to you and proclaim who you are, that we would proclaim over our own lives who our king is and we would find our identities wrapped up in that. Jesus, the view is better when we look up to you. We fix our eyes on you, our king. And Jesus, I pray that you would be made big in our lives and in our church and in our cities. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and everybody at Red Rocks Church said. You guys, let's lift up a shout of praise for our king of kings and lord of lords, the name above every name. Jesus Christ.